welcome to a podcast most foul. I'm Jake. And I'm Anna. And this is a show where I am rereading the Artemis Fowl books. And I somehow got roped into experiencing them for the first time. <laughs> uh, this week we are covering chapters five and six of the first Artemis Fowl book. And holy crap, these were long ones. Yeah, we're like, uh, let me just double check. I feel like we're over halfway done with the book now. Or like, right. No, yeah, we're over halfway done with the book at this point. And uh, I just feel like I just was reading for days and days. And now I'm in my mid 30s. <laughs> I feel like these two chapters were like a fourth of the book. Yeah. Like, what? They were longer than we expected. Longer than I poorly managed my time to read. Oh yeah, me too. I uh, I did not finish these until after work today. Even though I knew for like a week we were going to be doing it today. I'm just right there with you. I was too busy just fucking off. I'm telling you. I just find ways to fuck off. <laughs> I was like, oh, I should read. But there's a new episode of Digimon. Oh, I should read, but I'm going to finish watching the new season of Lucifer on Netflix. Yeah, like TV, man. Have you seen it? We should watch it sometime. <laughs> it's great. So, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and just jump into the recap. All right. So in this chapter, we get to hang out with Commander Root and Foley, the horse centaur man who wears a tinfoil hat, about how Holly has been <gasps> kidnapped. By a mud person. While doing the research as to why Holly hasn't returned, Foley found evidence that Holly had been kidnapped. They find out that Holly has been kidnapped by two humans that knew about the ritual and that Mesmer wasn't effective. And that they found her attempts amusing. Um, So basically, Butler and Artemis ambushed her and then clowned her when they weren't affected by the Mesmer. They kind of whooped her butt. And then they stuffed her into a duffel bag. Luckily, they are able to get a signal off of Holly's locator, so all is not lost. Root decides that he's going to join the <laughs> Root decides that he's going to join the recon team to, you know, get Commander Holly back. And he makes his decision to reinstate himself so that he can lead the search party for Holly. So he pushes the paper faster than anybody ever has and reinstates himself. And Foley just keeps clowning on him because he's let himself go and his suit doesn't fit over the pudge and it jiggles as he walks, which is hella rude. When he is about to get launched up to the surface, um, Foley's like, sorry, Commander, there's only room in this pod for one passenger. And Root's like, what the hell are you talking about? And Foley just kind of like looks at his belly. I was like, oh, that's rude. That's rude. <laughs> uh, and as those two are kind of getting ready to uh, track the locator, Artemis is taking apart all of Holly's gear in the back of a car. And uh, he finds the locator and he comes up with a plan to show the fairies that he is a very serious boy. He uh, has Butler take him to these docks that are nearby where they own a old Japanese whaler. He tells Butler to create a distraction while um, he sneaks aboard, but we don't find out what, that is, what he does just quite yet. So after Root gets shot back up to the surface, he lands at a pretty popular tourist crowded 
But this isn't before we learned that, man, Root is definitely not in his prime anymore. So he was in a pretty nice pod, not like one of the terrible ones that are about to fall apart and we're just waiting on a casualty for them to be decommissioned. Um, he's like, I, I don't remember it being this bad, but I think it probably was. But my God. So it's like... When, you know, you want to do something that younger you did and now you're, you know, your body just can't. <laughs> like, I don't know, like after you go and you like rock out at a concert and then you're like, man, does headbanging always give me such a bad headache? And man, like that's just kind of what it made me think of is like, dang, I'm just not in my prime anymore. I gotta go outside and put me down or something. <laughs> um, yeah, he lands at a place that's like pretty full, full of tourists and vacationers and uh, he orders like a full shutdown so that the military can use this one and he talks to the like head person in charge who uh colfer decides to point out a few times that they're like half half elf half goblin which i don't know just stood out to me because we saw holly being racist last last episode <laughs> against goblins and just leave the goblins alone <laughs> um he talks to the head fairy in charge and uh, says that once all of the Lep Recon and Lep Retrieval people have moved up to the surface to start evacuating everybody, the mud people have made an overtly hostile act. And these are war preparations. And I was like, oh man, you're just like... It's going down, okay? Going Artemis down. doesn't know what's coming. <laughs> or does he? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we skip back to Holly, who is... Um, waking up in a in some sort of cell, she's trying to like remember what happened, and she's like woken up by some blonde human with mirrored sunglasses, and this is Juliet le looming over her. She tries to trick Juliet into taking off her glasses, and Juliet's like, "Oh, geez, yeah, that sounds like a good idea." Except Artemis to totally told me everything, you idiot. Holly's like, "Yeah, well, I can kick your ass," and she's like, "No." Artemis also told me that when you're in a human dwelling, you have to do what we want. And also, I went through the same training as Butler, and I've been waiting to bust out my full Nelson on someone. Which, I don't even know what a full Nelson is. It's a wrestling move. Okay, like, I forgot to Google that. I meant to, but then I was also kind of scared to Google that, because I didn't know what it was. One thing you're going to learn, learn about Juliet, and uh, she also, like, compared Holly to a wrestler. She loves wrestling. She's like... I think the book says that she's like 16 and she's just a huge wrestling fan. So she's like the super serious, like badass uh, fighter, but also she wants to emulate wrestlers. So she's, she's like, she's like Butler, but if Butler was a huge fan of the WWE and wanted to be in it. So if he was like a teenage girl with a hyper fixation instead of one direction, it's raw Monday night raw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Holly notices something digging at her ankle and starts to form a plan. But we don't know what that is yet. And then we get to Root getting close to the locator. He's like, what the hell, Foley? It's going over the water. Do they take a boat? And so since, they're on a since it's on a boat, Foley doesn't have plans or schematics of it, so he can't kind of give him, like, a 3D plan of what to do. Also, we forgot to mention that Foley's map of Dublin is, like, super outdated. Like, it was from the 1800s or something. Oh, yeah, he's like, yeah, I last updated it in 78. 1878. Or something like that. Yeah. 
I forgot to write down the year I'm fired. Oh, you're good. And so, and so since his maps are like super out of date, he uses Google Earth and just pulls up an image from Google Earth for 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 root to use. Um, but they get up to the ship and there's like super high lead content, so they can't even like scan inside of the ship. And he has to uh, go in blind and solo because this, the high lead content will also block out their communications. And Root's like, oh, yeah, this reminds me of my glory days. I'm okay with this. He lands on the whaler and is like, there's nobody here. There's no guards. There's no people working the ship. It's totally abandoned. This is super weird. And he, he finds his way inside. And the only thing that he finds aboard the ship is rats. Um, and it's kind of funny because they, they say that when you're, when you're only three feet tall, a big enough rat is quite a threat. And so he shoots at them with his laser gun, but he just puts it on the medium rare setting. Just in case he wants a high protein packed snack for later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he is exploring the inside of the ship. He has like a infrared filter on and he can't see a whole lot, but he finally gets very close to the, to the locator. He opens the door and it's an empty room. And then suddenly a voice starts playing on a speaker and he's like, ah, so you've arrived. And Root's like, what did you do to my officer? And the voice, the voice, which is Artemis says, oh, so you're her commander. That's going to make things a lot more interesting. And he he tells Root that there's a, there's a briefcase in the room. He tells him to open it up and inside is the locator and underneath the locator is a whole bunch of explosives. So basically, he calls the explosives um, a demonstration of his utter commitment to his goals, which he hasn't completely disclosed to us at this point. To show Root and the other fairies how serious he is, he uh, sets a timer and tells Root to tell the other fairies that Artemis Fowl says hello. Artemis Fowl II says hello. And Root starts flying as fast as he can out of the ship. And he makes it just in time to avoid the explosion. But the explo- the force of the explosion like throws him into the water. And uh, he calls Foley and is like, find me everything you can on Artemis Fowl. And even Foley knew that this was not the time to clown on Commander Root. Which is his favorite pastime, and he's the only person who can get away with it. Because it's pretty darn funny. all right so chapter six all right so chapter six we join artemis as he's about to walk in and maybe interrupt his parents having personal time his mom swears that his father has returned he enters his mother's bedroom to see that his father has not returned and his mom was in her wedding dress and she had taken his father's suit and crudely stuffed it with pillows and tissues and was fully believing that his father was back and that they were on their honeymoon. She was in like her wedding dress and he, he, Artemis Fowl Sr. allegedly, was in his wedding suit and you could see that he was covered in kiss marks. Ooh. Ooh. Which I was really concerned just because I'm like, oh my god, please knock before entering someone's bedroom. One thing that happens before that is that he's like sitting in his study, kind of watching the the video feed that he has of Holly. And he's like, oh man, I'm starting to feel bad because like an elf is actually a person too. And I just have like a person like locked up in my basement. Oops. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's like, don't do it. Uh, like, it's like you chase the bad idea, and then you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> and you're realizing the gravity of your situation. Yeah, back to uh, his mom. When he walks in the room, she thinks that uh, that he's her father. And she's like, oh, Papa, don't make him work tonight. It's our, or it's our honeymoon. And I'm like, ouch, Artemis isn't recognized again. Yeah, and uh, this just, like, kind of destroys Artemis. He is just super sad about his mom, and he uh, he just kind of is like, yeah, okay, I won't make him work, and leaves. And he doubles down on his plan to ex- uh, extort the fairy. And because he wants to distract himself from his sad situation. All right. So we rejoin Holly and she is stuck in the cell that Artemis has designated for her, which is made of new concrete. Someone please come get their kid because Artemis is wild. And Holly discovers (laughs) that she has the acorn from the ritual, which is the thing that was scratching at her ankle, um, which I'm really glad because I thought like maybe he used a bear trap on her or something. Like I was concerned. (laughs) Um, She just needs to find some dirt to plant the acorn, which doesn't, which I'm, I'm still confused, I guess about this whole ritual. Doesn't it need to be buried during a full moon or do you just need to acquire it during a full moon and then plant it wherever the fuck you want? So, I think that you just have to get the acorn from the tree during the full moon. Okay. Because I thought, get acorn during a full moon from an old ass tree at the bend of a river in some obscure part of Ireland or other parts of the world, and then you bury it wherever you want, but it didn't specify, so it could also be a houseplant, but also, like, not, because I feel like maybe it shouldn't be a houseplant since it's a sacred oak. I'm so confused. All right. Artemis tells Holly that he just wants to, he wants the hostage fund that he'll be paid for for her. Holly doesn't know how he found out about that, so Artemis claims that he has drugged her with truth serum for the last three days. He is totally lying, but he, he even, like, pricked her on the arm while she was knocked out with a normal needle and like put with an empty needle and just put like gauze over it so that it would look like she had been injected with something. Because you just didn't want to risk uh, ruining her mind since she is his best like asset at this moment in time. Also, I just think that's like super not cool to do that because he's ma- like messing with her mind. But a quote that he said that stood out to me is, if I win, I'm a prodigy. If I lose, then I'm crazy. And that's the way history is written. Um, he liked to lower her morale so he can control her easier. Um, which let's just have a reminder. This guy is 12. So let's just kind of ref- take some time to reflect. Why is he like this? <laughs> um, Holly gets tired of his nonsense. It tells him that they'll send a troll for her. Artemis didn't expect them to send a troll. So you see him t- get a little taken aback. And then back at Root Commander headquarters, Foley and Root marvel at the fact that Artemis is in fact only 12. Yeah, they're like, they're like, he's only, he's like, oh yeah, we found like, we found like 10 gigabytes of information and that's like about like half a library's worth. So Root's like, oh yeah, so he must have quite a storied past. Oh no, that's for his entire family. This one's just 12. Which is really young, even for a human. And they find out about Foul Manor and that they're relatively close to Foul Manor. Um, They can actually get there before daybreak, which is great for them because uh, apparently... Daylight weakens fairy magic quite a bit. Oh, I don't know how to say this person's name, so just bear with me. Kudjian? Close, it's Kudjian. 
Cudgeon. Eric discussed doing a blue rinse um, in order to defeat Artemis, which blue rinse equals a biological bomb that only destroys living tissue, which I'm asking, is it also going to kill Holly? Because wouldn't she be considered living? Or is it everything but... Cudgeon says that that's an acceptable loss. Oh, fuck. And uh, Brute is like, I understand that we might have to do this. I just wish you weren't so gung-ho about it. If I didn't know any better, I'd say you had some human blood in you. And then even for Root, that's too far, and he apologizes. <laughs> you mud person. <laughs> um, uh, back in Artemis's surveillance room, um, everything looks quiet until Artemis has Butler freeze the image with a new camera that's designed for taking photos of hummingbirds and things that move super fast. It's like 2,000 frames per second. And bam, they see one of the retrieval uh, squad members lurking around the estate. So Artemis kind of modifies the helmet to be like goggles for Butler. And uh, his head's so damn big. Yeah, his head's so damn big. They said that trying to fit his head inside the helmet would be like trying to shove a potato inside of a thimble. (laughs) (laughs) Which, I mean, sometimes I feel like that when I'm shopping for hats for you. Aw, yeah. Yeah. Um... But the <laughs> one of the settings on the goggles um, allows him to see through the shielding. And so uh, we cut back outside to the guys who are prowling the grounds. And there is uh, their LUP Retrieval 1, which is like the most elite, badass, super soldier big tough guys in the lep. They're led by a guy named Captain Trouble Kelp. And uh, yes, his name is actually Trouble. He insisted on this name when he graduated academy. Yeah. They hear a weird noise that sounds like, ah! So he tells his squad to sound off in sequence, and they find out that number four is missing. And so they regroup. One of them finds number four's boots sticking out from behind a rose bush. They look around and they see a giant man standing by the doors that are close to the rose bushes. They're like, okay, okay, number four was just close to the door. It got open and he got knocked down. That's all it is. Which, like, doesn't make me very confident in number four's abilities. That's why he's number four. That's why he's number four. I mean, I'm a 12, though, so that's not that's not too bad. 12's the best. <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> I don't know um, that for sure. I just made that up. But they're all shielding, so they're pretty um, pretty sure that the giant man can't see them. And he's walking around and gets into a position in the middle of them. And they're like, man, if he could see us right now. This would be bad. He would be in a really good position to kick our butts. And then um, he pulls back his hood and shows that he's wearing a pair of weird goggles. And they're like, oh, sh- shoot. And then he starts to kick their butts. So, uh, Butler completely smokes the fairies recon team. Like, they didn't stand a chance. They just fell like bowling pins, one right after the other. And um, it turns out that he did purposely knock that one out with the door. He saw him through the little view holder and was like, oh, hey, if I just... And he just... They later say that he gave him a, a concussion, which is just amazing. So, yeah, he, he knocks everybody out. And then um, the only person who's still conscious is Trouble's little brother, Grub, who um, he, Butler can tell that he's conscious because 
his knees are shaking in fear and he's well he's playing dead <laughs> and he says that uh they he he makes some demands he says that uh no one else can come in here unless unless uh we say they can you can bring in medics for your wounded but they'd better be unarmed and anybody who breaks my rules will be shot by sniper fire or blown up by some mines that i have just hidden around the yard and grub's kind of a coward but Butler, when he demands his weapon, Grub actually like says no. Uh, a lep officer never, never leaves behind their equipment. And so Butler's like, hmm, I respect that, and lets him keep it. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, anyone who breaks my rules will be shot dead or just blown up. Back in Holly's cell, her plan is going into action. She is just slamming the bed frame over and over again into the concrete until Juliet bursts in and uh, is like, what the hell are you doing? So Holly demands food, and then as soon as Julia leaves, she goes back to just smashing the bed into the ground. Juliet was like, um, don't get your pants, ooh, whatever you wear, and a twist. So what do you fairies eat? And Holly is fed up with these people's nonsense. She's like, got any dolphin? And she's like, ah, no, gross, you beast, is what basically Juliet said. And she's like, fine, I'll take fruits and vegetables, because of course she would. Um, <laughs> make sure they're washed. I don't want any of your chemical poisons in my blood, which she... She thinks she's better than a mud, a mud person, because <laughs> she's racist. Artemis is back in his surveillance room. Hold on, all their produce is grown naturally, which isn't all produce grown naturally. <laughs> <laughs> Artemis is back in his surveillance room, um, where he's in included the feed. To include a, a hidden camera in his mother's room, which is hella creepy. It's exactly as creepy as it sounds. Especially if we think of how we found her at the beginning of this chapter. Yeah. He probably saw their honeymoon. Which is inappropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then Butler returns from beating up the the LEP. And there is quite a huge foreshadowing moment where um, Artemis says, Not even a dwarf could tunnel tunnel under Foul Manor. And the narrator tells us he's very, very wrong. So Holly's going stir crazy and they keep joking about how she's trying to dig a tunnel. And it's like, it's not as if she can tunnel her way out. And Artemis smiled. Haha, the entire estate is built on a bed of limestone. Not even a dwarf could tunnel his way out of here or in. Wrong, as it happened. Dead wrong. A landmark moment for Artemis Fowl. So yeah, that that's pretty like, <gasps> what? He's wrong? So I feel like spoilers though like so they're someone's gonna dig into their house probably a dwarf what about munch i feel like they introduced him for a reason i'm just spitting that out there okay guys (laughs) (laughs) Um, he's gonna eat his way through (laughs) he has a high fiber diet and then they cut back to foley and root um they're about to use a thing called a time stop which will freeze time inside of a Big bubble type area. You might be hearing our cat. She wants in here, but is not allowed. In the basement. Foley is about to turn on the time stop when he's like, actually, I think Artemis is up to something. I think he wants us to freeze time. And Root is at this point just pissed. And he's like, no, there's no way he could know about that. Push the button, damn it. Or Darvit. And then here goes 
fully flexing on his uh, technology. He's like, no need to shout, Commander. These headsets could pick up a spider scratching in Madagascar. <laughs> and Ruth's like, is there a spider scratching in Madagascar? <laughs> well, I don't know. They can't really. Then stop changing the subject fully and get to work. <laughs> oh, and one of the other things that Butler demanded was they send in a negotiator, uh, somebody who can actually make decisions. And so they decide to send Root in on that. But he has to go in unarmed. So, of course, they decide to sneak some weapons on him. Um, they find, or they, they have a weapon called the finger, which looks just like a finger. It's kind of a second skin that he, like, puts on over his finger and it molds to look... Like your finger. Like your finger. Like, no different. But if you press the knuckle, it shoots out a little hypodermic deep uh, knockout dart. Fully tells us that many fairies have forgotten that they had it had it attached when they went to go pick their nose. So be very <laughs> careful. <laughs> and then they also hook him up with what they call an iris cam, um, which is basically just a contact lens with a camera in it that uh, they changed to look like the exact color of his eye. Which is brown. Mud brown. Inside the house, Artemis has discovered the time stop because his watch has stopped and uh, none of the TVs are playing anymore, which uh, kind of confirms that Foley was right. Artemis knew that the time stop was coming and he was planning for it. Artemis checks in on the camera to his mother's room and uh, notes that she had taken a sleeping pill from Juliet earlier and now she was mi- now she's missing. She's no longer in her room, but Artemis seems to have expected that. And we don't know why. He starts to notice what Holly is doing in her cell and uh, figures that she must be up to something. But right as he's about to figure it out, um, he notices that Root is walking up to the to the house and he gets distracted. And at last, let the games begin. He <laughs> breathed. At last, let the games begin. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Root shows up at Artemis's door and tries to get him to come outside. And Artemis is like, do I need to kill someone before you'll take me seriously? <laughs> He's like, no, I will not step outside so that you can attack me. You may be allowed to come into my house, but you are not allowed to try anything that will harm me or hurt me in any way. And uh, so he goes inside and is taken to a conference room. That has ashtrays, which Root is super jazzed about because he loves his big old stinky cigars. Ugh. And uh, um, the negotiations end up being um, just one single demand from Artemis, and he refuses to budge. He wants one ton of 24 karat gold in unmarked single ingots. I've never heard that word said out loud. <laughs> Root is, tells Artemis that he doesn't have any grounds to make that demand and if they don't give Holly back they'll kill everybody inside of the house um, and Artemis is like no you're going to negotiate with me commander you're going to negotiate with me because I know how to get out of the time freeze and how to get away from your away from your bomb impossible it can't be done and Root is very confused as to how he knows this. And then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
he said, oh, yes, it can. Uh, trust me, I haven't been wrong yet. So he'll have, he, Root said, I'll have to think about this. And Artemis, being the cheeky bastard that he is, says, take your time. We have eight hours. Uh, excuse me, seven and a half hours and time's up for everybody. <laughs> And uh, they go back to the temporary headquarters, and there's a couple of scientists who are arguing with each other. They don't like each other very much, but they're, like, analyzing the video feed of Artemis. And they determine that he is telling the truth, or at least he thinks he is. And that is the end of Chapter 6. So, Anna, what did you think of these chapters? They were so long! (laughs) (laughs) But also a lot of stuff like just went down like right after the other. Um, But I think here is my theory. I think they're going to get Munch involved because he can pit pot. He's like, he's so good at being a criminal that he can pick pocket a police officer that's arresting them while they're like while he's being arrested. Also, I feel like maybe he'll get an incentive of maybe they'll wipe some of his time for helping them. Yeah. Or maybe he'll just get released. Like, if he just keeps chewing, he's gone after they get into the house. He's like, peace, they're not going to think about me anymore. So then he'll, like, run away from, from home. <laughs> Which is prison. Yeah, I mean, for a guy like, for a guy like Mulch, that's, uh, it probably is a second home. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then Holly is going to plant the acorn in some coffee ground she found around the manor because I feel like that is close enough to dirt. Maybe, like, it's just, like, as long as you have the intent of planting the acorn in some dirt-like substance, it'll work. Apparently, we are very liberal with the rules, but also um, the fairies having to do what they're told kind of reminds me of Ella Enchanted, which I read when I was little, and she just had to do what she was told because she had, like, a spell on her or something. I haven't read or watched the movie in a... uh, read the book or watched the movie in a really long time, so this is all from my memory. But, so, um, it just made me think of that, except that they have to be, like, looking at them eye to eye and be very specific when they have to tell people, so Holly's plotting something down there because they're not being very specific or looking at her in the eyes so she's up to something and just playing along at this moment in time yep she is uh she is plotting those loopholes as best as she can all right so do you have a, a hell yeah for the week you can go first I went first last week. It's your turn. You can go first again. It's tradition, and we don't fucks with tradition. <laughs> <laughs> My hell yeah for this week is Warcross by Marie Lu. It is a um, cyberpunk sci-fi book where set in kind of like the near future, where there's a uh, kind of like a VR game that has taken over the world, and it is kind of like a second economy for the world. Even there's a big tournament for it that is basically like their Olympics. Um, The main character is a hacker and a bounty hunter, and she accidentally um, hacks her way into like the opening ceremonies for the Olympics instead of like being arrested or punished. The creator of the game hires her to find a hacker who is trying to disrupt the games and who is trying to cause a lot of mischief. And uh, I'm not finished with it yet, but I'm about halfway through it, and it's freaking great. It is a really cool read. So, my weekly, oh hell yeah, is that 
It, we're approaching spooky nerd season. I'm very excited. Um, we went to Spirit of Halloween. Very excited. And I got a t-shirt with a Grim Reaper and it says Creeping It Real. I know that it's not <laughs> like a school, but I'm, I'm pretty pumped about wearing that shirt all year round. And she bought me a Keyblade, which is the coolest thing ever. Uh, the Keyblade's like bigger than my arm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That that was two hell yes. That wasn't a hell yeah. That was just adding on to your. Oh, why isn't it a hell yeah? yeah well, it, okay, it is a hell yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Another hell yeah is that um, Dairy Queen changed their monthly blizzard. So get you a caramel apple pie blizzard. Oh my god, y'all! It's amazing. I think they've had it for what three days now, and I've already had two. <laughs> I don't have a problem. You have a problem. <laughs> well, it, where we live, it's there's a Target, which, hi, I love Target. And then there's a Dairy Queen, like, same same parking lot, basically. It's it's a setup. It's a choice place to be. It's a setup. They set me up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, um, all right. So you can find our podcast on Twitter at Podcast Most Foul. Uh, you can find the artist who did our amazing cover art at JWX Art. Our music can be found at can be found at Springtide on the Free Music Archive. And and if you'd like to join our Discord community, there's a link to that in the show notes as well as on our Twitter. And I feel like I'm forgetting something. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to be mean to you today. <laughs> so, just telling you. That one red-headed character from My Hero Academia and Gara from Naruto, they really be the same beach. That's foul. But is it, though?